The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Podcast Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows, where we'll be discussing tonight, <clears throat> as we record this, it's night, <laughs> The Secrets of Jurassic Park 2, uh, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this Steven Spielberg movie. And as you'll all remember, we recently discussed Jurassic Park 1. We're making our way through the Jurassic Park movies, and uh, tonight we're discussing Jurassic Park 2. And joining me today on the panel are... Thomas and her hoe. Hi, Thomas. You got it. I got it. Been practicing. How's it going? <laughs> good. And Father Michael Gossett. Hi, Father Michael. Hi, good to see you guys. So uh, I'm glad to have you both uh, back here uh, with me uh, on the, on this show. We, we've already talked about the Jurassic Park, and now we've returned. Uh, like Ian Malcolm, we have returned to the place well, we didn't vow never to come again, but apparently he did. But uh, let's <laughs> let's get to that in a second. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the background of uh, Jurassic Park Two. So uh, Jurassic Park One, big success, everybody loved it. Um, and then and then they went to Michael Crichton and said, "Okay, give us another one so that we can make another movie." And he <laughs> said, "I don't do sequels." Um, and they finally convinced him to write a, another book. Um. So then uh, he writes the book, but the book has the plot of the book. Apparently, have either of you read the book? Yes, I've, I've read both both the okay. original Jurassic Park and this. <laughs> so correct me Long if I'm wrong. Ago. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. The plot of the book, like the first book, uh, the plot of the second book is not really at all connected to the plot of the movie, right? No, it's it's very different. <laughs> okay, okay, that's what I thought. Um, there was a very interesting article I read about. Uh, about Michael Crichton and the studio and Steven Spielberg. Folks, you'll have to excuse me. I'm dealing with allergies and I'm going to try my best not to cough into the microphone, but uh, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, anyway, he was dealing with the studio and just the fact that he's, he, he, he writes books and Spielberg makes movies and the, they share a topic and that's pretty much it. Um, he was the extent of it. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't all that happy. With the results, but there we go. Mm -hmm. So there, there are basically two ideas that were kept on the book: were the fact that they were on a second island, we're on Isla Sorna on this one, right? And at one point, a trailer is dangling from a cliff, being attacked by T Rexes, mm -hmm. and that's pretty much all that's from the book. That's uh, not right. Yep, <laughs> everything else is completely different. Uh, I mean, the fact is, is, in the first book, John Hammond dies, right? Uh, yeah. And, and then there's also there's also some interesting stuff that they do. They take some things out of the second book that they end up using for the third Jurassic Park movie. Uh, and and it, it's fun to watch what actually worked really well and they should have done in the second movie. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, that's let's talk about that, because the second movie is a dark story. It's a very dark movie. It's and and I think from my opinion and you guys can give me your opinion. In my opinion, it's not as good as the first one. Because despite the horror and violence in the first movie, there was always a bit of adventure. 
and a bit of lightness to, to, to kind of temper the darkness. In this one, we have um, uh, Jeff Goldblum with his admittedly snarky, funny dialogue, but that's not enough to really lighten the mood at all. Um, and in fact, everybody in this movie, except for Ian, is bad. Like, they do, like, well, <laughs> there's a couple of minor characters who aren't, but but like all of the major people in this are just dumb about the dinosaurs, right? Am, yeah. Am I, I, mean, no, no. I, I think it's it's an interesting take on like the, the the thing I compare it to whenever I talk about it is uh, it's like they were trying to move for kind of a heart of darkness uh, kind of moment where uh, you know that, that Joseph Conrad book where it's a uh, you know they as they travel further down the river they go deeper into the darkness of the human soul and um, that's that's where it, it feels like it was trying to go. But then it got lost along the way in uh, in this this kind of action figurey uh, you know toy sales <laughs> kind of uh, experience. And I think one of the great things about the first movie was uh, the sense of wonder over the whole thing. I mean, the, right. even the soundtrack pulls you into that. Just this is amazing. There's dinosaurs, but really throughout this whole movie, there's some good scary parts. But uh, humanity doesn't humanity doesn't look that great, and uh, that they're just Nobody's really doing good things. They're kind of all out for themselves. Right. The first movie was essentially uh, herbivores versus carnivores or uh, plantosauruses versus metasauruses, <laughs> if you want to use that term. <laughs> right. Uh, whereas this film is hunters versus gatherers or, you know, hunters versus those who uh, you could say those who acquire for zoos versus those who study in their habitat. So the, the it's a different kind of conflict here. And it's. It's almost an environmental message. I mean, in for the first Jurassic Park, it was kind of a don't mess with Mother Nature message, you know, or she'll, yeah, yeah. she'll right. bite your head off, literally. Um, whereas <laughs> this one is even more explicitly a uh, don't, you know, don't, don't uh, exploit nature versus, you know, what we do is which we're studying and preserving the idea. Right. So. Yeah, I I thought it, it was it was so tough because I, there was a beautiful movie buried under this thing, right? <laughs> and, right. And I, I I really do like there were a lot of moments where I feel like some of the concepts could have been explored better, and they just ended up being so cheesy because the characters were so flat. And, yeah. And that's one of the things that you saw in the first movie that the characters were very complex. They were very rich. And I think the last time we talked, we talked about how how much depth there was to everyone's character. Everyone had some compelling reason that they were doing things. And then when faced with the actual dinosaurs, they changed. They had they had a realization about themselves or about the dinosaurs. Whereas in this movie, it's just kind of like, nope, the hunter is the hunter. And that's that's his character right. all the way through. Yeah, they're very much one note characters. And once we figure out, oh, this is their stereotype, they stick to that through the movie. Oh, There's yeah. nothing much more to expect. The nice thing, the, the, the one thing nice thing that they do, well, not no, just the one, there are, there, are, there are, like you said, there are, there are there are very nice beats throughout this movie, uh, but there's not a, co a cohesive whole. But one of the nice things I liked was how they expanded Ian Malcolm's character to now make him a father. In the mm -hmm. first movie, he was just sort of a like a womanizing cad, you know, and he was uh you know that quippy TV scientist sort sort of guy. But this he's he's been changed by his experience in the first movie. That's a very clear uh beat that they want to make. Uh, but also. Now he now we find out he has a daughter and he's not been a very good father and here's his opportunity to be a better father than he has been and throughout the movie he is trying to take care of this girl 
that is his daughter. Um, and that I, I like that. And again, I've seen seen this movie, you know, many years ago when I was a young man versus today when I am the father of a child about the same age. You know, it gives me a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's so it's a uh, that is something that that is a a difference uh, that I did like in this movie. Well, you were speaking earlier about uh, other differences. One of the differences is that they decided that, you know, because they didn't have the wonder of the dinosaurs to work with in the, uh, you know, like that, the the newness of the dinosaurs, they had to bigger, more dinosaurs. And um, uh, which eventually by the third movie that translates into uh, new manufactured dinosaurs. Right. <laughs> you know, we have to get um... even scarier types. but. But this one, it's just more of them. So not just one T-Rex. Now we have two T-Rexes, <laughs> that sort of thing. So they have more CGI and more animatronics, including apparently a nine and a half ton T-Rex uh, that literally, if yeah. stepped on someone, could kill them. I mean, it was wow. literally like having a T-Rex on set. Sometimes they said. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, and so it takes place on, we said, Isla Sorna, which was um, John Hammond explains in the beginning. Uh, it was site two, you know, the the second, the the backup site, or and they made up something that just totally it didn't really fit with the first movie because in the first movie we saw them hatching the dinosaurs on the on that island. Now we're told no, 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 they were hatched on this other island, uh, and uh, then moved later. So, you know, we just make it. We have to put a pin in that. Move on. Um, but they start the movie with this scene of this little girl um, with her family getting attacked. Uh, on by these small dinosaurs on the on the beach. This scene was actually supposed to be in the first movie, but it had been cut from that because it was too dark. So it's right. an inter- interesting choice that they four years later they decided, well, it fits now, and we put it in this darker movie. Um, it's a it's a strong start too. I mean, it's it's a very dark scene, and if they want people to go into this afraid of the dinosaurs and afraid of what they've unleashed, I mean, that really does capture it and. I I think it's a good start to the movie into that kind of yeah. danger, but it, it, they don't maintain that level of uh, intensity as they go forward. Right. No, and and see, that's the thing that really bothered me. I I can uh, you know uh, this movie is all about parenthood. Like that's the the, the underlying theme behind right. the whole thing because you have uh, Malcolm's character with uh, with the daughter, and then you also have uh, the T Rexes chasing after their child, and so there's that constant interweaving of the the parenthood theme, and you know about. 10 years before this movie came out, the ultimate uh, parent versus parent uh, movie came out, which was Aliens, where, you know, uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, Ridley, is up against the uh, mother alien. Right. And um, and it's such a fantastic, uh, high intensity, very, very creepy, very scary, uh, never lets down on the intensity until that final moment when there's the giant battle that... Uh, this movie leaves so unsatisfying because it, it just keeps going in and out of this. Oh, this is really intense. And then, Oh, we've got this big moment of, of dialogue where we're going to sit, oh, sit yeah. around and, and talk. And then we go back to this really intense moment and it never keeps building on that intensity the way it should. Mm-hmm. And then, the pacing and then the is off. Yeah. Is kinda, yeah. And the pacing's terrible. And then you get to the final showdown and it's really just kind of a, a luck of the draw, how they end up, winning you know there's not like a there's not like a big battle that they actually win right, it's just they, right. they managed to to trap the trap the t-rex by dumb luck almost yeah there's a lot about that ending that that 
doesn't make any sense. Uh, so let's get let's let's kind of work our way to that. But you're you're right. You know, one of the things about this opening scene that kind of bugs me is that it sort of banks on making the parents of this little girl unlikable, sort of almost like mm-hmm. she deserves it because they're these idle rich people because they're they're obviously very wealthy and very British. You know, they oh. sit they're sitting on this beach from their yacht with crewmen in uniform pouring them uh champagne and and she's a overprotective mother and and you get all these tropes and stereotypes and and it, it I feel like like Spielberg ought to be better than that. I mean that that's sort of a cheap yeah. that's a that's a it's sort of a cheap emotional jab. Uh and I, I thought it was kind of an odd way to do that. Uh, and and when they make Jurassic three, he he's not the director of Jurassic Three, it's almost like they intentionally make that movie. It's a remake of this movie the way it should have been. I mean, that movie isn't perfect either, but it's better right. than this in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and this is definitely the weakest out of the Jurassic Park movies, in my opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. Of, the, I, I of mean, the first three? Uh, so of, the Park movies. Of, of the Park movies, yes. Okay, yeah. So, so it's it the weakest of the Park movies. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny because this is um, my friends and I, when I was in college, did a... Uh, a mystery science theater 3000 thing where we took our uh, favorite movies to hate. And this was <laughs> top of the list. Like one of the very first movies we watched and, and did the mystery science theater 3000 thing with, because we <laughs> all had so much to say about it. <laughs> well, and part of it, I think is because we want to like it so much. We love right. Jurassic park and it's disappointing when the sequel doesn't live up, especially when you, like you said before, you can see there's a good movie trying to get out. Right. Uh, so um, I just want to highlight some some really funny uh, lines uh, of Ian Malcolm from the beginning. Um, <laughs> so there's there's a, he's he's debating with uh, John Hammond's nephew, who's now the main antagonist uh, in, in this, um, you know, who's trying to tell Ian that you're just telling your version of the truth because you know, Ian's out there trying to warn everybody that InGen created this island full of dinosaurs and InGen is kind of hushed it up and nobody really believes that there's actual dinosaurs out there and everyone thinks Ian Malcolm is crazy. And so he says, well, you're just telling your version of the truth. And, and Malcolm says, there aren't any versions of the truth. And I'm like, wow, like <laughs> to have that in a Hollywood movie today would, would, would mark it as, Oh, that's some, you know, ultra conservative movie. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get political right. about it, but, but <clears throat> just that idea that today, what we hear is, you know, I have to give my truth. I'm speaking my truth. Um, and so to have this character come in and say <laughs> there aren't any versions of the truth is what happened. I really like that uh, bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in it's, a, it's interesting in light of his character too, who is all about the chaos theory and yeah. uh, you know, which which does not lend itself to an absolute truth. And so the first movie, he's all about the chaos theory and how things uh, evolution works and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, he's coming into this movie with this totally shifted uh, worldview right. where he's like, "There's no version of the truth. This is." That something actually did happen. So the charitable, he's really, he's, yeah, go yeah, ahead. He's really grown, like you said before. And I think not just as a father, but the trauma of what he went through the first time around. Uh, we see again and again. It's had an effect on him to kind of mature him, make him like see the world uh, and life more seriously. And I, I think, at least for his character, it works well. And I'm glad he's in this movie uh, among all these other people. Right. Right. And. And, and I feel like the scriptwriter really knew how to write Jeff Goldblum. I mean, Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. really does that sort of 
dialogue really well. And and you gave it, brother, you gave it a charitable explanation for for why his character is different. I've seen others say, well, it's just no, they just screwed up the character, and and he's different from the was before. But I, I like your explanation better, which is <clears throat> his experience has changed him, and he's grown. And I like the idea that the characters have grown as a result of their experience. Um, mm. So, and another great line is uh, John Hammond says as he's trying to get him to go to Isla Sorna. Um, and you know he's trying to save the dinosaurs from what his his nephew and the company the board of directors are trying to do to them. He says, "I won't make the same mistakes again." And he says, "No, you're making all new ones." <laughs> like, it's just like he's like, like Ian. It sometimes I think he feels like the only sane man in the room. You know that that sort of uh, way way he has of him, which is really good. Um, Some of I, that are my favorite parts of the movie. Uh, those early scenes of Ian on the subway. Yeah, and that kind of strange guy is <laughs> re- recognizes him for the guy who claims there's dinosaurs, and then uh, and the whole scene with John Hammond. It's I think some of the funniest parts, the most naturally funny that don't feel like written jokes. They're just yeah. funny characters, and uh, it really pulls you in in a way that sadly the some of the dinosaur scenes <laughs> do not. Right, yeah. right. Um, one of the aspects of it, like we talked, I was talking about, like you know the. Hammond is trying to save the dinosaurs from uh, his his company. His he's been ousted as chairman of the board. His nephew's been put in. The board of directors want to exploit the dinosaurs for profit. And I'm thinking to myself, this is essentially the plot of Westworld. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've either even watched Westworld, but this is essentially you have these creatures that have been created by the company that have minds of their own now and are. <laughs> They were created to be exploited, but they don't want to be exploited anymore, and now they're dangerous. Uh, I just thought that was kind of funny. Uh, it was, it's essentially uh, Westworld and Jurassic World. That's kind of the plot of Jurassic World, too. Right. But we'll mm-hmm. uh, we'll come back to that in a couple of movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's it's a, it's interesting because it's a fear that was that's almost ahead of its time because. Uh, you know, we look at now, I think we're dealing with all of this fear about uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning rising and, um, you know, really having to confront some of those uh, deep golden age uh, science fiction tropes. And in Jurassic Park kind of hit it ahead of time. And it's, it said, OK, well, what do we do when we have these um, uh, these natural beings that we've created that now are maybe they're not as intelligent as we are, but they're still a force to be reckoned with. Right. Uh, and how do we deal with that? Yeah, I mean, in the 80s, it was just technology out of control, you know, like RoboCop. You know, where big companies are going to make technology, or Terminator, are going to make technology that's going to get out of control and, and destroy humans. This is a, a, a variation on that. This is, we've created sentient beings, which is kind of like Terminator a little bit, who are independent creatures on their own that we're trying to control and that are that are dangerous for humanity. I mean, this... This sort of and, the, and the, that hasn't changed. We're still making these stories. Like if you look on Netflix, you go to the movie theater. You st- we're still seeing these sorts of things. It's the nature of the technology involved has changed, and the and the vision of what the future looks like has changed a bit when it's futuristic. But it's still the same fears uh, mm-hmm. of science out of control, of corporations out of control, people doing. There's a sort of um, what's the saying? Um, we shouldn't ask whether we can do such a thing, but, but we should also ask whether we should do such a thing. Right. Uh, in fact, that might've been said explicitly was, in Jurassic one. That was Malcolm's, was Malcolm's yeah. line in, in Jurassic park one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like people say that today as a, just as a 
saying in general. Uh, so uh, it, it's it's a it's a universal theme now. I think in in a lot of uh, entertainment is uh, you know is it safe? And it's interesting that in the '90s it was genetic engineering because mm-hmm. genetic right. engineering was still new. Um, I mean, it's it's a lot it's a lot more every day. I mean, it's still cutting edge technology, but the idea of gene editing and that's gene therapies is much more uh, commonplace today. But back then it was scary and new and cloning and we clone Dolly the sheep and next we're going to clone T-Rex, you know, that, that whole thing. Um, I think that idea that our creations could be like stronger than us and smarter than us. It, when you were talking about the different movies, it took me back to Blade Runner, that kind right. of that, they created right. these things to do a job, to serve a purpose, but we can't handle them. And uh, it's just that all those movies really set up sort of uh, biotechnology as the big bad thing for a long time in science fiction. Right, right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. It's interesting it's, that it's died off now because I think as we've become more aware of the limitations of it, uh, we've started to realize that, you know, it's not the the gigantic – evil that that is really out there because we're never going to be able to approach uh some some of the levels that you can fantasize about uh but what we can do with it is really powerful and and so we when we start to look at it more as a tool and it becomes less scary because we see it more as a tool uh i think that's a really interesting transition to start making and start seeing and so you do see you see a lot less movies that are about it even even the jurassic world movies now that are that are coming out um they're more about the the nostalgia for the original series than they are about this fear that we have of genetically engineering uh, dinosaurs that are going to come back and do terrible things to us. Mm-hmm. I, I almost think that the fears have become smaller in or more personal that that rather than afraid that it's going to uh, it, we create something that's going to wipe out humanity or even just, you know, a lot of people, we, we get afraid of things that are. Um, uh, that are more of a of a personal threat, and I'm thinking of uh, what was that? Ex Machina was that the one yeah. with Donald Gleason and um, yeah. Oscar Isaac, uh, the two Star Wars guys, uh, which was an interesting psychological, a bit of a psychological thriller, sci-fi to it, and and also like several Dark Mirror episodes, that Netflix series. It's the 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 fears, the technological fears, are much more a personal level on a on a. Uh, lower level than than on the grand scheme of things so it's an interesting it's an interesting shift to think about um i'd have to think about that some more that's that's an interesting thought to to kind of uh tease out as i look at other movies and things um so we uh let's get to the you know we get to the island um and the, the one thing that really struck me as as they approach the island is this that the island the way that the that it's the cinematography is done the way it's framed Reminds me very much of, well, frankly, the original Lost World movie from the nineteen was it twenties nineteen twenty nine I think it was mm-hmm. uh, the original uh, King Kong. King you know, that, Kong, yeah, that's that's right. Know, King Kong was mine too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you get the sense of that they, that that they're specifically to excuse the pun aping these older <laughs> movies uh, to 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 give a style to this movie, which you know at one point. They have to go as a group from one side of the island to the other, to someplace else. I mean, that's so King Kong in Lost World. I mean, Peter Jackson does it in his remake of King Kong. I mean, Skull Island does it. I mean, it's a, it's a it's another trope. Um, 
you know, the the group of adventurers have to cross through this dangerous uh, place to get to the goal, and some will get picked off along the way. It's just the way it is. Um, so uh, it's it's got that style to it, which I like. Um, I think it's interesting to compare it to the arrival in the first movie too. That yeah, uh, the first movie says like, look at this beautiful place, and holy cow, there are dinosaurs. Right. Yeah, it's immediately, I think they call it like the islands of death or something right <laughs> yeah. when they get there that this is a bad place. This is There's dangerous. a map. Yeah, they show a map and one of the islands, it's like in a group of islands and one of them is called Isla Muertas, you know, mm-hmm. islands of death. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, it's pretty obvious we should stay away from that place. Um, and, and, uh, and to see the, uh, in fact, Malcolm has this line which is really kind of draws out the contrast that they're making. He's like, yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it starts. But later there's running and screaming. You know, that's when um, <laughs> Vince Vaughn's character and the uh, and Eddie, uh, uh, the late lamented Eddie, uh, they uh, they they see the dinosaurs for the first time and are all, uh, you know, taken with it. And, and if Malcolm's like, yeah, yeah, I've been here. I had that. I bought right. that ticket, saw that uh, movie. Um, he's he's jaded now. <laughs> right, <laughs> no more of right. the wonder anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then. Uh, uh, you know, one of the things, speaking of Malcolm, I'm kind of, uh, I kind of get some, some random thoughts that I want to make sure I'm getting in. So I'm kind of bouncing around. But one of the things I, about Jeff Goldblum here, especially in this movie and maybe in other movies, he's, he's very much like Jimmy Stewart in his speech mannerisms. Have you ever noticed that? He's yes. kind of got that, that sort of almost talking to himself bit that, that Jimmy Stewart did. And he's, he comes off like if Jimmy Stewart was going to, was alive today at that age, this is how he would be in this movie. This would be <laughs> just, you know, watch this movie and think of Jimmy Stewart. That's all I'm saying. To folks. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I would have to do that now. Cause yeah, that's exactly, that's pretty much his speech pattern is like that where he has those, yeah. those pauses for effect that you're, <laughs> yeah. you're just waiting for the next thing that he says. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had a great, I had a great chance several years ago. I saw uh, the music man starring Jeff Goldblum live on stage in Pittsburgh. And it was oh, exactly wow. the same. Like, he didn't so much sing as talk like this, and uh, right. It's uh, it's partly the character, but I think that's this is just Jeff Goldblum, and yeah. you look at like Thor Ragnarok, and it's just this is the <laughs> yeah. way he acts, and it is it's funny, it works, and and especially in a in an action movie where he's the leading role, which I I guess I never really expected uh, Jeff Goldblum to be in that position. It works well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeff Goldblum is one of those actors who just does himself. He's just mm-hmm. himself in everything. Uh, and it works. Um, so uh, one of the things, so they 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 re- meet up with uh, Ian's girlfriend Sarah, who's conveniently his girlfriend, who's a paleontologist from some, and she gets mad at what was it Nick who likes the cigarette? Uh, don't like the cigarette. Dinosaurs can smell it from miles away. We're here to observe and document, not interact. Says the woman who almost died after touching the baby dinosaur. <laughs> like <laughs> completely contradictory here. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of funny, but it's kind of indicative of just the 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 uh, sort of the mishmash that sometimes the movie gets into with its different characters. It, it wants to say one thing, but then play this the other way. And I don't know if the characters are supposed to be contra- self-contradictory. It, it, it generally doesn't feel that way to me. It feels like we're just doing and saying things to kind of have a, a specific uh, plot beat at this moment and then another plot beat at that Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's it's it, it shows up the most with um you know with the hunter characters where you got this 
you know, you, like you were talking about, there's this sort of uh, environmentalist bent to it. But then they try and play the noble hunter uh, card a lot where he's there to hunt the the biggest game that, that he right. ever hunted. But then he, he takes these moments where, like, it would make sense for him to actually be hunting the big game. And he doesn't do it. You know, he, right. he doesn't take the shot or he or just something ridiculous is happening. And, uh, you know, at least one of them, his ammunition's missing because someone took it. But right. in a couple of others, it's like this was clearly a moment where you should have been the one to save the day and you bagged the big baddie. But you didn't do it. You know? Right. Ro- uh, uh, Roland is the character. And, right, right. And yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it, this movie is full of. Good characters wasted, like just not used well. Um, and I'm not sure why. It's almost like they had two different stories they're trying to work with. But Roland was an interesting character. They could have developed him more. He had the sidekick, um, Ajay, who is uh, his loyal, longtime best friend and hunting partner from India. Well, I don't know that. I read that in a Wikipedia article. The movie doesn't tell me anything except it's a sidekick who like dies like off off scene, off screen. It's like, what a waste. Like, why was this character even there? You know, uh, I just felt like that was so, it's so, you know, so lost. Um, Peter Stomare was actually well done here. Uh, he played Dieter, who is that character who, um, what's, the, I had a, I had something, um, he's the classic case of the idiot who gets poetic justice done on him. You know, <laughs> right. he, he zaps the baby dinosaurs like, oh, the, the, the paleontologist says, oh, the, you know, the, the baby dinosaur is not afraid of you because it, uh, it doesn't know humans. And so he goes, oh, yeah, zap. Now he's afraid of humans. And so then later on in the movie, all the little dinosaurs come in and eat him up into a little bit, as we know was going to happen. <laughs> but even that scene takes way too long to develop. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. way, way, way too long. Yeah. Um, I think it's some other, other things I wanted to say. Uh, Oh, speaking of that paleontologist, uh, I, I, got, I got to throw this this little bit in. The uh, paleontologist Burke, working for Hammond, uh, Hammond's nephew, um, is uh, dead ringer for Jimmy Aiken. You guys, <laughs> yes, it, it, yes. I'm like oh Jimmy my gosh, Aiken. I hadn't thought of it, but you're absolutely right. Wow. <laughs> if you don't listen to our other programs, Jimmy Aiken is a uh, uh, is a is a frequent co-host of uh, of many of our shows, Secrets of Doctor Who, Secrets of Star Trek. He has his show, Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World. Totally looks like Jimmy Aiken, like a dead ringer, right down to the hat, the, the cowboy. Nah, I was going to say even the hat, even the hat. <laughs> so it's a secret history. So let's go. Let's move on a little bit. Um, they uh, Eddie is a, is a bit of a hero. He saves the, our uh, our crew of um, uh, Ian and Sarah and Nick Van Owen um, when the T Rexes attack the trailer because they have the baby uh, T Rex in there and they're trying to help it. They don't know that. And I think Eddie is the biggest hero in this movie because even as these two T-Rexes are attacking him, he's still trying to save them. I mean, it is pretty amazing uh, to see. I think Eddie is the hero. That's I, I throw it out there. Does anybody else yeah, qualify? I, yeah, <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. <laughs> one of the more the better and more intense scenes in the movie, too. The whole I, I, yeah. camper over the side of the cliff and the two T-Rexes and everything. I mean, there was, there was like four moments in that in that one scene that are just, you know, uh, l- well, literally cliffhanger. Like you're mm-hmm. on the edge of your seat. You know, they get your heart going. You know, when the when it they're when the T-Rexes are pushing it over, when it's when half of it is hanging and 
they and uh, Sarah falls and but she hits the glass. You don't realize it's the glass. And then, you know, Eddie comes and he's trying to pull them up with the rope and the rope lets go. And then the T-Rexes show up and then the and then the trailer falls and they miraculously don't get hit by anything as the trailer falls past them and they go through the windshield and they're still hanging on uh, somehow. Not very believable, but let's let's yeah. just go with it. Um, there are dinosaurs. I mean, how believable do you want to be? Uh, so uh, so it's just uh, it's a uh, it's really uh, a great moment uh, there to to see that 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 scene. I'm glad I, I know why they saved that scene from the book for this movie. That's that's for sure. Um, so they, yeah, they his his death was his death was the one that was really like you know it it made it made some sense and you know like right. they they earned that one on screen i think in a way yes. that they didn't earn a lot of the other ones right and you felt it because you you'd kind of connected with eddie he was the he was a nice guy he was he was their lifeline you know with the technology you know and all that sort of stuff uh and he had saved them um so uh let's see they uh they can they hook up with the with ingen's group and then uh, again, stupid. They release the dinosaurs to rampage through the Ingen camp and destroy their way uh, of getting off the island. Yeah. And that's the, they're responsible for the death of everyone who dies from that point on. Yeah, uh, am I, I wrong? <laughs> I can't stand Vince Vaughn's character in this movie. Just that, when, especially when he reveals that I'm the backup plan. That my job is to to do, I guess, just Greenpeace stuff like he had done in the past. But right how is this a good idea? And uh, just that kind of like one note character that isn't really looking around, doesn't have any sort of like no real human being would think this is a good idea in this situation. Right. Right down to taking the, 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 uh, the gunpowder out of Roland's shells. Now I'm not sure that any handheld gun could take down a T-Rex. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, like, I don't care how big yeah. your elephant gun is. Nevertheless, taking the shells out of there, that, that killed people because it meant the T-Rex yes. could rampage. Absolutely. Um, I mean, so he he is he is more responsible for more deaths than the the engine people are, and that's that's a that's that's just right on screen. And I, and it it kind of leads me to wonder, like, are we are we supposed to see the environment like the radical environmentalist as a bad guy, or the the big uh, for profit corporation that doesn't care about people as a bad guy? They're both bad guys in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and I think they were, they were trying to split the difference between not saying that there was a good guy in the, in the argument, but, right. but I mean, even, even so everybody has a little bit of logic here, you know, no environmentalist is going to open a cage to let a lion out in the middle of a city because that's not good for anyone in the city. And it's not good for the lion because right. eventually the lion's going to be shot. And, and that's, it's like, he didn't have any, any compass to make a decision with really right right so uh so, so the they 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 have this they they trek through the forest they camp out overnight uh as um the chivalrous fellows they are they put sarah and the uh the girl in the tent i forget uh the girl's name but anyway um uh malcolm's daughter they put kelly. them in kelly that's right they put kelly, them in the yeah. tent uh who is a gymnast by the way we find out early <laughs> on that won't come up again at all, right? Right. No, no, no. <laughs> not important at all. <laughs> not important detail that's been mentioned very importantly. Um, so they're in this tent, and I, don't, I, so I just came back from a long camp, uh, long trip 
uh, was traveling around the eastern part of the U.S., and we camped in the uh, Great Smoky Mountains. For and one of the things that they're very sure of telling you is, don't leave food out <laughs> because of bears. Now, if there were T Rexes in the Great Smokies, I like. I, never mind bears. I wouldn't keep. I wouldn't keep food within a hundred yards of me. And then she's got like food strewn all over the tent for the T Rex to come and smell. And so, what's Sarah doing? She's shoving it into a bag. I said, T Rex is right outside. I, that that ship has sailed, Sarah. That yeah. that T Rex is already there. Um, I don't think a bear bag is going to help them out. Food of a tree. Yeah. And, well, mouth level. Yes, and of course the bear was looking for the uh, was. I mean the bear. <laughs> the T-Rex was smelling the shirt with the with the, the baby T-Rex's blood, which Roland apparently knew it would do. Um, he had seen the blood on, on Sarah, and that blood inexplicably had not dried uh, for whatever reason. It's magic T-Rex blood uh, that doesn't dry uh, after hours and hours and hours. Um, but never mind. It's movie blood, which doesn't dry. And so the uh, And so it was smelling the blood, and for some reason... Well, we know what the reason is, is he wanted the T-Rex to follow them so he could kill it or capture it, which he eventually does. Um, but that we never get, there's never a moral payoff on that. Like, hey, you used us as bait for that. Like, it should have been a confrontation. You used my girlfriend and my daughter as bait for the T-Rex. That, yeah. That should have been in there. Well, and, that, and that's something Malcolm would have figured out. You know, that's that's right. definitely something he he would have seen and and gathered. And and that, that's that's one of the one of the things that really bothered me about the engine slash uh, paleontologist Greenpeace kind of group is that it looks like they tried to mash two movies together. Like they couldn't decide: Are we going to go with just this engine story or just this uh, Greenpeace uh, uh, story of saving the dinosaurs? Why not everything? Let's just put uh -huh. it all in together. <laughs> right, right. It's uh, it's a Safari Gone Bad. It's uh, King Kong. It's it's all these movies that we've that we've kind of we're kind of jamming into one movie and not doing any of them very well, uh, doing them justice. Um, what? So one of the things that in that scene that happens is they run into the waterfall, and then the T Rex tries to come in after them. That's actually another one of those scenes from the first. That was supposed to be the first movie that was from the first book that uh, that they brought back again. It's a good it's a good gag. I mean, it's a good scene to mm -hmm. to do that. Makes um, me think of an amusement park ride. Uh, oh yeah, your, your car is going by the waterfall and the T Rex head pokes out. That probably that, exists somewhere. That would be yeah. a great Jurassic yeah. Park amusement park ride. Is just to have mm -hmm. the T Rex head pop out of there. Oh man, people would freak out. Uh, that that's a good one. <laughs> Uh, but don't well, throw. It, it reminds me of the of the uh, the George Lucas Ewoks movie too, where they have that uh, wolf thing that's chasing the kids through the forest, and the kids hide in a tree, and then the the wolf thing like comes and tries oh. to get at the kids, and oh it can't get all the way in. That's a that's a deep cut. <laughs> that is a deep cut. I haven't thought of uh, what was that Ewok Lost World thing since oh, uh, Ewok yeah, Adventure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Ewok Adventure, man. <laughs> Next, we'll talk about the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's Life Day. Uh, anyway, back to uh, Jurassic. Um, so the 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 uh, Ian and Sarah and Nick get separated from the engine crowd, um, who go running through the grass, and that's where we get everyone's favorite: the Velociraptor show up. Um, the the phrase, the line, "Stay out of the high grass." That is one of my catchphrases with my kids. Like when they're going <laughs> off to play, you know. 
you know, go, you know, be safe. You know, don't go in the, don't go in the street. Stay out of the high grass. You know, just <laughs> almost no one ever gets it, but once in a while, the 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 usually a dad like looks over and smiles, and I'm like, yeah, we're on the same page. Um, that's a that's a great line. Um, there is a there is a funny bit that I've I never got until the this time I just watched it. I've seen this movie, you know, half a dozen times at least. Early in the movie, Malcolm criticizes Nick for calling out for Sarah when they get to the island. Sarah Harding. And then he, uh, Malcolm says, do you think there are many Sarahs here? Like, you know, why, just call Sarah, right? <laughs> then at the operations center, Malcolm walks up and he's like, Nick Van Owen! <laughs> like, because there's going to be more than one Nick in the uh, operations center. Um, so we have this, you know, this uh, big set piece of the operations center. Not much, I think, needs to be said about it. We do see Kelly do her gymnastics move on the Velociraptor and uh, kick him out of the, out the side of the, the building there. Uh, while she swings on the poles, um, they managed to escape from the island. And that would normally be the end of the movie, right? Uh, but of course uh-huh. it isn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, no, that, couldn't if, stop there. Because <laughs> that's how the first movie ends, right? No, in this one, we get the T-Rex. They, they're, they're, in their infinite wisdom, they've captured the T-Rex, and now they're bringing it to the mainland. Have you not seen King Kong? Like, this uh-huh. is essentially King Kong. So... You know, the there's so much wrong with this. <laughs> yeah. The ship, every, every all of the crew on the ship are killed by the T-Rex because it escaped from its confinement. How does the T-Rex get onto the bridge to eat the crew members there, including the guy whose hand is still holding the wheel, even though not the rest of him is gone? How does it get onto the bridge without destroying it? Does the T-Rex shrink? Like, if there were velociraptors, I could buy it. It's exactly. Good. It's just yeah, I'm, wrong. I'm just I'm just wondering the at the the intelligence of these sailors that they are on a ship that has tiny little hallways that you can go and just stand in. You don't even have to do much of anything. You just stand in them. Right. And the T-Rex <laughs> is not going to get to you. What's it going to do? Walk around the deck? I mean, he's like, "Hi, the T-Rex on the deck." Like, "No, let's go hide in the biggest space on board, the cargo hold. That's <laughs> where we'll be safe." Um So, the T-Rex gets out and now remember the um, the T Rex walking through the neighborhood. Do you remember when I was talking about the first movie? The uh, my my nightmare that after seeing the movie the first time was I was Absolutely. sleeping on the on the couch, and my nightmare was a T Rex head coming down to the window. My nightmare was true. It was real. It was real. <laughs> this this poor kid is you know, get the T Rex coming to the window, uh, and like again as a parent, the kid coming in. Mommy, Daddy, there's a dinosaur in the backyard. Uh, this I tell you, don't give him stuff to eat after eight o'clock. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. Uh, there never was actually a dinosaur in our backyard, which is which uh, is an improvement over this one. Oh man, you know, no, I, I don't know. I'd be kind of interested in the dinosaur <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> but as an example of this movie's darkness, is you know the the dog, you know the dog barking at the dinosaur. We we see that the, that the that the T Rex ate the dog. You know, he's got the chain between his teeth, and he drops the 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 uh, doghouse, and it, it crashes. And the clear implication is the dog got et, and I'm like, wow, that's dark. <laughs> Pretty rough. I, Pretty rough. I mean, I know people get eaten in the first movie in this one, but when it's people's pet dog, it's it's sort of different. Yeah, it's different. It's different. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we got little what kids. What did the dog do? The dog barked at you. Come on, man. <laughs> 
So we got little kids and pet dogs getting eaten in this movie. This is this is the problem. Um, there is a, a a great scene where the the T Rex is walking through the streets of San Diego, uh, you know, knocking over buses and and stuff like this, where there's a group of Asian men running down the street, kind of looking over their shoulder, yelling and pointing, which is totally a Godzilla movie uh, homage. Like, that, that whole idea of the giant lizard chomping down the street uh, after right. the, a group of Japanese men who are uh, running in fear uh, is that's totally a a a Godzilla movie thing. Um, I think I would have watched a lot more of this movie or enjoyed more of it if it was this part. Like T-Rex yeah. wandering San Diego is pretty interesting and uh, new compared to, to the original Jurassic Park. It, like these are some of the strongest parts of the movie. Right, even if there yeah. were like a bunch of t- dinosaurs running around through a city that they had to round up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it would have been it would have been really interesting if they had just played the King Kong movie to the hilt. You know, if they had just gone straight with that King Kong theme, right? That would have been perfect. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. And 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 so you know, in the end, what do we do? We 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 get the baby T Rex. We we put it back on board. It lures the, the the daddy Rex back to the the cargo hold, where it it teaches the baby Rex to fight for itself, you know, to eat up the bad man Ludlow, you know, who gets his poetic justice. Um, Lawyers and CEOs get eaten <laughs> yeah. by T Rexes in the movie. Yes, exactly. Uh, as in all Spielberg movies, greedy men die from their own greed, like from the object of their greed. <laughs> That's a Spielberg thing, um, and so they. They package up the T-Rex. We don't just kill it, apparently. Uh, that the, Someone has made the the executive decision that, no, no, rather than just dispose of this giant, dangerous creature that doesn't should not exist, we're going to put it back on the ship and send it back. Now, who is, how much do they pay the crew of the, the <laughs> right? second crew of this same ship? No, no, no. And, the same thing isn't going to happen again. <laughs> No, and what security features did they put in place? That's the thing. It's like nothing changed about the ship. It's the exact same situation. Where are we going with this? Well, what, what do was, they do when the ship? The, when they yeah, get the ship the to the island? Exactly. What's okay. the plan on the other end? You press the button, and then we all run for the side. That's that's the that's the plan. We'll all jump in the water, and then we'll leave the ship here or something. I don't know. It's we're not supposed to think of it. I did like that we got a uh, Bernie Shaw from CNN. A little blast from the past, nostalgia. Uh, news journalist uh, Bernie Shaw doing the uh, the uh, the voiceover of the live shot of the the U.S. Navy escorting this ship back. There. Hey, Costa Rica, this is yours. Uh, I think you I think you <laughs> lost this. Uh, we'll put this back on your island for you. Um, right. <laughs> so, uh, and then we have the uh, this the environmental preservation message: uh, trust in nature and life finds a way. You know that's that's really the the message that we that we've been kind of hammered home for us. And then we end with, for the second movie in a row, we end with a pterodactyl without seeing a pterodactyl in the action of the movie. Finally, we get that payoff in the next movie. In Jurassic 3, we'll see pterodactyls in action. Uh, so. so that's the movie. So, like, so in comparison between two, one, two, and let's we can do a little bit of preview of three. We can kind of compare two to three. How do you feel two compares to three? Uh, We'll start with you, uh, Father. Uh, three is definitely stronger. Um, I honestly can't really remember the plot of three that much right now. Uh, once it, 
I just feel like once we get past that original story, they're really grasping for like, what are these movies about? And right. uh, two really shows that, that they just play a lot of the same beats. And um, I feel like the, the characters are stronger in three. Um, this one is just so strange. It's such a, a middle movie that I, that doesn't really seem like it needs to exist. Is three better because it replaces Ian Malcolm with uh, Sam Elliott's character? Is that is that an improvement, Thomas? What do you? Oh, oh Father, you go ahead. If you I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, maybe Sam Elliott's a better leading man. Um, but uh, I just feel like the story is so weak in this one that um, they didn't quite know what to do with it, and they're like, "Well, we just right. need more dinosaurs," and that they did that, and that's always right. fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. It, it lacked focus. I think that's that's really the the big problem with this one is the the focus just was there wasn't there wasn't right. a focus. There was you know like you were saying there's there's the safari gone wrong. There's the King Kong. There's the the parent child. There's the the C, the dirty CEO. And it has it really just never finds itself because there's there's so much that it's trying to do. And I I don't know if it's because I. Uh, Spielberg wasn't thinking that he was going to get another shot at this or that this was going to go on to another movie. And so he wanted to try and get everything he could in, or if it just, uh, you know, there was just too much that they wanted to try and put into this movie. Right. I almost feel like he was, he, he, he didn't, he didn't really want to do this movie, but because it was a sequel to one of his biggest movies, he had to be the one to do it. I feel, I kind of feel like that was on the table. And so he just, he didn't have the same focus that he had with the first one. Um, I, yeah. I, I feel like if this didn't have the bit in San Diego, this would, this would be even worse. Like mm-hmm. if this movie were just what happened on the Island, that would, it would, we would say this isn't, this is a bad movie. Um, the, 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 the stuff in San Diego kind of saves a little bit because it's new, it's different, it's exciting. Um, and it's sort of fun and, and, and that's good. Uh, but, but I I think it, it it's not enough to save the whole movie. And then you have um, you know Jeff Goldblum. I think he's I think he's funny. I think he's good. But I don't think he carries the action the way like Sam Elliott th- did in the first one or in the in, in the third one. You know he he's really the the protagonist in that in that one. He's good as sort of the right. the snarky guy on the side, but not really as the. He's too nervous <laughs> to, to, you know, like he, he, he kind of becomes one note the whole time, which is, see, see, I told you this is a bad place and it's going to hurt us. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, that's just like it becomes his his his, his note. He uh, didn't want to go there. Which he is, was and, right. And uh, it didn't yeah. work out. <laughs> right. And, and, I, and I think that's, you know, you mentioned earlier that it's almost like the third movie is a remake of this one to try and do what this one did wrong. Right. Uh, and correct it right right and, and it really does feel like that it feels like the third movie is a rehash of the second movie but done a little bit better <laughs> yeah if i recall jurassic 3 was uh directed but yeah joe johnston directed oh. that so and and in fact um he had wanted to direct this one and when spielberg said no no i'll do it then then spielberg took over and joe johnston got the third one so there's many there may be more to that than even we even thought. Like he, this third one is the sequel that Joe Johnston wanted to make, you know? And in fact, mm-hmm, I, right. I don't even think that there's hardly any reference to this movie in the third one. I don't think there's, there's much at all. Um, 
it's kind of interesting that uh that, that uh yeah i don't think there's any reference to this uh, we're we're obviously going to watch the third one soon and we'll we'll talk about it uh then but um uh so and then uh and then we wait after that uh was it 15 years for Jurassic uh World <clears throat> where they learn the same lessons all over again so, uh-huh. <laughs> so um is there anything left to say about about this movie guys uh Thomas uh, was there anything uh, left left that you said about Jurassic 2 um i i really like uh again i think this movie uh, strikes the note at the end, and it, and it waits until the very very end to do it. Of um, life finding a way, and that being an okay thing, like it's it's good. It's not, right. it's not even as horrible and as terrifying as these creatures are. Them still existing and living despite our best efforts is a good thing. Right. I, I like also that that the message of. The T-Rexes are animals. The dinosaurs are animals. They're not monsters. They're not evil in and of themselves. They, are in fact, you know, uh, are parents who nurture their young like other animals do. And it's sort of, try- I think, in some ways, trying to redeem dinosaurs from the terrible lizard monster sort of idea that that, that has grown up about them. That that frankly, Jurassic Park is res- partly responsible for uh, for for propagating uh, uh, in the first place. But the, I like that idea too. That um, that it, that they're they're they are just also just big animals who walked the earth at one. Father, did you have any uh, uh, last thoughts on it? Yeah, kind of going off of that. In in the first movie, humanity kind of intrudes on their domain and they act like animals. And that's what's so great about the end of this one is that this crazy big animal that shouldn't <laughs> be in San Diego has to face with humanity and in, in, in its domain. And I think that's why it's such a, such a powerful segment of the movie because it's, it flips it around and right. uh, it sounds like I didn't see the most recent Jurassic world, but it sounds like that's where things are heading. And I find that much more interesting than just going to another Island and going to another Island. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and the, the, and I just want the one last note from me too is um the fact that it's called uh, Jurassic Park: The Lost World, or actually, it's flip that around. It's Jurassic World: The Lost Park. I mean, The Lost World: Jurassic Park is its technical name. There you go. The, Spielberg was making a point that he was really, you know, wanted to base this off of the original The Lost World movies from the nineteen uh, from the nineteen twenties. That uh, and that we're to watch this in that vein. Um, whether he's successful or not, well, you know, I'll, I'll let others be the judge of that as well. I, I, I don't think this was a great movie. It's worth watching. I've watched it a half a dozen times, like all the movies. So that's that's what I have. So that's it from us, uh, so folks. What do you think of Jurassic Park Two, Electric Boogaloo, or Jurassic Park Two: The Lost World? Um, let us know by visiting sqpn.com/secrets or the Starquest Facebook page. Uh, just look for SQPN on Facebook and leave us some feedback on the related uh, post there uh, for the show. And send us an email uh, if, you, if you'd like to secrets at sqpn.com. You can find relevant links for our discussion on our show notes on sqpn.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or tune in. You can also uh, listen to it as a YouTube video, if you'd like, on our YouTube channel. And remember to write a review, like, comment, share. 
to help us grow our audience and reach more people with uh, our content that we hope you're enjoying. Until next time, Father Michael Gossett, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Jurassic Park 2. My pleasure. Thank you. Thomas and Herho, thank you as well. I appreciate it. And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. And remember, don't go in the long grass. <laughs> <laughs>